Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. And Felix Auger-Aliassime reached a second consecutive ATP singles final in as many weeks. We have Novak Djokovic back in action this week. Danil Medvedev and Rafael Nadal in Acapulco. Plus, the women are competing in Qatar, which is our first event, Mike, for the Tennis Canada Bracket Challenge. Yeah, and Ben, we've also got a great Canadian guest to welcome back to the podcast with Carol Zhao stopping by to talk with you uh, about her tennis plans for the year, her friendship with Rebecca Marino, who she just faced recently. And she even breaks down some matches in the Qatar draw with you, which I thought was something different. I noticed you had uh, tried out. So well done with that one. Um, Yeah, really great chat with Carol. So we'll get to that a little bit later uh, as well in the show. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, She was a lot of fun to talk to again. uh, I think the place, though, to start here is is Felix Auger-Aliassime and starting in Marseille, France, site of the Open 13 Provence. And I I would have excused Felix Auger-Aliassime if he wanted to even sit out this past week after winning his first career title at the Rotterdam Open. But instead, uh, he's back at it and reaches a second consecutive final, um, just running off a stretch of eight consecutive wins, gets to the final before falling to Andrei Rublev 7-5-7-6. It's the Russians' first title of 2022, his ninth overall. But for me, um, just again, an incredibly positive result for Felix, who continues his you know formidable play. And he's now 15-4 and four on the season, third place in the race to Turin. I know it's very early to look at something like that, um, but just what a spectacular month and a half it has been. It's like when we look at our podcast stats in January and get all excited, but then we realize we've got 11 months still to to go and record this thing, right? And you mentioned that you would have understood if he had sat this one out. And, uh, you know, I I was looking forward, I'm not going to lie, to to perhaps sitting this this week out. But then Felix had to go and have such a great tournament. So, of course, we got to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, you know, the success of Canadian tennis players is, is a shared success for for fans in the country and for media members who cover this sport and, and seen it grow so much in Canada over the last few years. So of course we're thrilled to record podcasts and talk about any of these moments where our men and women um, have, have fantastic accomplishments. And what's the difference for Felix this season? I mean, to me, it's um, he's always been mature, but it's a maturity in his game, right? He's had a mature personality, a mature outlook, but now we're seeing a maturity in his game as he's starting to accumulate experience as a professional tennis player and, and harnessing his talent. And we've known about that talent for ages. I mean, he's been on mm. the radar forever, um, but he's only 21 years old. And, and how many players put it together before that stage of their career usually takes even a little bit longer. So I just think it's, it's gaining that experience as a pro and it's starting to come together for him and, and look out because ATP cup champion uh, Australian open so close to advancing to the semis and then Rotterdam. And now this past week as well, making the finals. So um, I, I just think it's, it's really all clicking and coming together for this player um, in terms of his mental and physical maturity at the same time here. 
Yeah, I, I like your descriptor of harnessing his talents. I, I certainly think that's what we're witnessing, um, not just in 2022. We saw this, I think it's carried over from the way he kind of played in the back half of uh, 2021, where, of course, you know, he made the semifinals of the U.S. Open. He made the quarterfinals of Wimbledon and has been laying down um, these building blocks in his career, doing better and better. And uh, Andre Rublev showing so much class in the victory, commending Felix for an amazing start to the season and how well he's playing um, and Felix shared a very nice post about uh, Rublev afterwards as well, kind of making a joke about uh, the giant trophy that I uh, won't have to pack it in a suitcase at least. And uh, also a fun moment for him to play veteran uh, French player, Joe Wilfried Sanga in the first round, who was actually Felix, one of his childhood idols growing up. So getting that opportunity uh, to play and beat Joe Wilfried Sanga credit to Sanga, who's still sticking around and playing on the tour. And uh, they played a competitive first set before Felix overcame him. Seven, six, six, two gets two more wins over Ivashka and Safalin before falling to Rublev in the final. Um, but as you said, harnessing his game, I of course see major strides with the serve, which we've talked about, you know, the number of aces he's been hitting, the consistency on serve. And it was a close, uh, tightly fought final. And Rublev actually had a break in that second set. It looks like he, it looked like he was going to kind of close it out, but Felix fought back, forced a tie break and, and made it more interesting. Because we had two consecutive tournaments, one title, one final, now is the time for Felix to take the break. So he did pull out of uh, the Dubai Tennis Championships, which uh, for me is certainly the right call. There you go. I'd just go hang out in Dubai for the week if I was him and just kind of relax on the <laughs> Why beach not? And, and, and take it easy. And, uh, you know, Rublev had mentioned in his post-match press conference that he thought that final was going to go to a third set the way Felix was coming on late there. Um, and so, uh, you know, big respect between the two of them and, and respect, I think from all players seeing at what Felix has done so early in this season, it's a long season. It's a grueling season. So we'll see how things unfold from here, but he's definitely sort of putting his foot down and saying, you know, aside from the big three, everyone's talking about CC pass and Zverev Medvedev. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of saying, don't forget about me. I want to be in that conversation. And he's proving he belongs there right now. And, and at the start of the year, and not to sort of pick Canadians against each other, but we looked at him and Dennis being so close in the rankings and kind of wondering, okay, how are these two going to come out of the gates? And and so far it's been Felix between our two young uh, Canadian male players who is really showing that consistency that we were hoping one, I mean, it'd be great to see it from both of them, but just great to see one of them sort of step up and, and be doing that thus far. A, a disappointing start from, from Dennis um, after that ATP cup and, and a strong result at the slam, of course, but Otherwise, his, his first two tournaments since then have been um, kind of lackluster, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, disappointing one, I would say. Um, just winning the one match against uh, Alex Molkamp before falling in straight sets uh, to Arthur Rinder neck. Uh, tough one to say there, but uh, surprising result there, losing 6-4, 6-4. You know, I remember talking to Felix at the end of last season when we got him for that interview and um, just speaking about his development and Felix said he really wanted to kind of looking at the season as a whole, noticing spots where I've lost to players where I'm, you know, significantly the favorite or the clear cut favorite in a match. And he wanted to avoid that happening in particular in 2022, uh, making those deeper runs in tournaments. That's clearly something Denis Shapovalov is going to have to shore up. And we see them, we see this, I think, 
a bit too often at these ATP 500s and 250s that he is prone to some bad losses uh, based on players ranked below him. And that hasn't happened uh, to Felix really at all this season. So Dennis is going to have to find a way to clean that up. He is playing in Dubai. um, So we'll see if he can have a better result this week. But yeah, certainly been a rocky stretch since the Australian Open. And I would say for Dennis that the success Felix is having is going to serve as a motivator. Um, yeah. Not that he's obviously unhappy for Felix, they're, they're buddies, but I think it's it's kind of like, hey, he's doing this. I want to do this too. I don't want to get left mm-hmm. behind. I want to be in that conversation. I want to be, you know, not just the best player I can be, but I want to be the best Canadian player I can probably be too. Uh, I'm sure both would, would like to have that number one spot. And we saw at the ATP Cup, Felix had the number one role there and it was Dennis that was playing in the two slot. Uh, I'm sure this is going to fire him up as happy as he must be for Felix. It's going to give him just a little, uh, little maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I could see it giving him a little extra motivation as well to, uh, to, to take things, things up a notch here. Yeah, I hope so. And no, it's not, uh, as you say, it's not jealousy or anything like that. It's more like, okay, Felix is killing it. I gotta, I gotta show what I made of as well. So uh, we'll see if something changes in the coming tournaments. Of course, the two big masters 1000s are coming. Um, should mention we had a ATP 500 clay event, Rio Open, and Spain's Carlos Alcaraz. Of course, we've talked about him as a, a rising superstar, and this is the biggest title of his career. He beat Diego Schwartzman in the final 6-4, 6-2. With the victory, suddenly uh, he's inside the top 20, number 20, and still hasn't turned 19. So I think we can attach the word phenom to him. I mean, this kid is very, very good, and he can do it on multiple multiple services as well. Yeah, look at this, a young Spaniard with the sleeves cut off the shirt. Gee, who does that remind you of from back uh, in the day? I can't day, think right? of anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so I, I was kind of shocked that he's already in the top 20. Like, boy, did that ever kind of happen fast and, and I don't know, under my radar anyways to see him rise up so quickly in the rankings. And uh, we talk about Felix kind of putting things together at the age of 21. Like, it looks like Alcaraz isn't willing to to wait much longer to put things together uh, from his perspective so um, yeah very exciting young player and uh, as we you know look at the torch eventually being passed from big three to the next group in there I mean there's going to be young guys like him who are going to say forget it I'm not waiting my turn I'm going to step up and try and take it now if I can and wouldn't that be interesting too you have that group of guys in the mid-20s who are sort of um, you know, uh, having deeper results at slams and, and masters 1000s. Sure. Let's throw an 18 year old kid in there as well, just to, to make it extra fun. Yeah. Look, um, Stefano Tsitsipas the other week, uh, the term next gen was used to him in a question and he said, uh, enough next gen we're current gen. So if he's current gen and Medvedev as well, uh, Zvera, that crop, it's like the next crop or I guess the Alcarazes and the sinners and they're coming on strong. It's, it's going to be a very interesting landscape. I think in men's tennis, when the big three leaves, I, like we have a lot of names that we can pinpoint to who I think we could realistically see hoisting big titles and big slams in the coming years. Yeah, it's going to make it tough, tough for us in this Tennis Canada bracket challenge with uh, all this emerging talent and <laughs> Very. the men's side getting a lot more sort of you know, opening up and, and more names in there to compete for, for titles and whatnot. But we'll talk about the bracket challenge later, but why don't we chat about uh, the, the great interview you scored this week with Carol Zhao, who we've had on the podcast several times now. And I feel like you've talked to her more often. It's funny how you and me sometimes things divide up and I feel like there's some players that you end up speaking with more and, and it builds that rapport as well. And, yeah. and maybe you found that to be the case with, with speaking to Carol again. 
Yeah. And it's funny, actually, the first time I chatted with her uh, last year, I mentioned because I have someone who I occasionally hit with at Aviva Center. It's been a while since we've got out. And um, a couple of years ago, I would hit Aviva Center with this friend. And often Carol Zhao would be training on the court next to me um, and making me look really bad. Uh, <laughs> well, next so, time you see her, next time you see her, you're going to have to say, hey, Carol, it's me, exa- Ben. Let's, exactly. Let's yeah, I know. Uh, it's, and then you it's, can pull out your guitars and jam together or something after because <laughs> you both share that, you know, duality, tennis player, musician. Uh, yeah, combo. that's that's true. That's true. I wonder, it uh, might be some time before she's back at Aviva Center and now like regularly touring, which is something we, we tackle. But um, she's clearly like I, I took from the conversation uh, that she clearly has um, strong hopes and aspirations to, to further this career of hers. You know, she's still uh, 26 years old. She's done things in the sport before. Of course, at one point, she was the highest ranked Canadian woman back in 2018. And uh, she dealt with uh, an injury that kept her sidelined kind of 2019, 2020 pandemic year. And I think it's kind of a, a refresh restart over the past, well, this year and sort of the portion of last year. And uh, so she's working her way through ITFs, had some good results in Mexico. And I spoke to her from uh, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, uh, where we had our conversation. So uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Canadian tennis player Carol Zhao. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. And our guest this week, a Canadian tennis player who has a pair of ITF titles and singles, seven now in doubles. She won the girls' junior Grand Slam in doubles at the Australian Open back in 2013. And she was also Canada's highest ranked women's player in 2018, reaching a career high of number 131. Pleased to welcome back to the show this season, Carol Zhao. Carol, thanks uh, for making the time. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Great to talk to you. And uh, I guess a, a good place to start is just 2022, the season so far. And um, just before we started recording, I, I mentioned you had some nice success down in Mexico competing in ITFs. So you made the semifinals and singles before falling to a fellow Canadian, Rebecca Marino. And then the previous week, uh, you captured a, a doubles trophy with uh, Katarina Bondarenko. Just um I guess, how satisfied were you with, with the tennis over those past two weeks? And, and where do you feel like your level is at just on the court these days? Um, definitely improving, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I made a pact with my team to use like these next few weeks to really explore how I can improve my tennis for the long term. Um, that includes some mindset changes, um, game style changes, uh, just the whole way I'm approaching practice matches, everything, um, just all in the interest of, you know, giving myself a better shot to be successful in the long term. Um, and so we weren't so results orientated, sorry, we weren't so, so um, results uh, oriented uh, coming into it, but um, it, it was still nice to pick up some quality wins. I think I played a lot of high caliber opponents uh you know even the itfs are very tough these days mm-hmm. um and yeah so we're happy to, to come through those matches but in the end of the day uh really trying to improve with every match that that's great um may i ask uh i guess a couple of these different approaches mindset wise or, or game style wise, wise could you uh divulge maybe a couple of those things specifically that uh that you're kind of approaching for for this season and beyond yeah uh definitely a little bit i mean just working on being a little more freed up on the court, um, mm-hmm. really trying to express myself to the full ex- extent because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's a performance. It's a way to 
um, express yourself and have fun. Um, and so really trying to maximize my potential from in, in that area. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's tough to, to go into it and maybe shed some old habits, but, um, I think it's been really progressive, uh, the last couple of weeks to have a lot of matches under my belt, practicing that. And then hopefully in the, in the weeks to come as well. That's great. I, I was just thinking back to uh, this is a very random reference, but I recall listening to a, an interview with uh, American tennis player Dennis Kudla, and he talked mm-hmm. about his mindset and approach to matches was, if I'm going to, you know, go out and lose today, the other opponent has to play unbelievable tennis to beat me. Um, do, do you think that's a mindset like you're, you're maybe trying to adopt, adopt? Is that like a common one to sort of look at the game sort of in a different light as opposed to just basing it on results totally um yeah i mean that's a really good mindset that he has as well um i'm kind of not even really focusing much on who's winning at the end of the day really at this point very early on in the process so i'm really focusing on myself and um of course still being aware of the of the tactical um you know nuances uh of, of my opponent but really focusing on what i have to do my physical cues um the way I'm approaching, you know, break points or, uh, you know, important points in the match and really just trying to commit to um, this mindset of like, you know, this is the way I'm going to have to play and want to play to be my best level. And this is how I'm going to do it. I think when we spoke in 2021, I recall uh, talking about some of the challenges and uncertainties, obviously, with the tennis calendar because of COVID. We were still navigating that. Of course, there was such a problem in 2020. Um, Is it different this year, I guess, or are you able to better plan out a season and and look further weeks ahead? Like, did you kind of have a better idea of of where you are going to be a given week, a given month? Yeah, um, slightly, a little bit more. uh, (laughs) Okay of like COVID tennis under my belt gives me more experience in that sense of planning and stuff um, in terms of traveling and also my ranking is a little bit better so I have a little bit more uh, um, choice but uh, of course it's nowhere near where we want it to be but um, you know just just again that's also something we can't really control with the with the ranking system right now um, you know with with how you know they're keeping points on and off and so what so yeah even more reason to to focus on the process. And uh, I guess to, to learn more about the team, who are you traveling with? Who do you have alongside you right right now as you, as you play? Um, I have a hitting partner with me uh, these couple of weeks. Um, his name is Felipe Diaz. Uh, he's from Toronto. He's been a hitting partner at um, the Rogers Cup for many, many years for men's and women's. Um, so great guy. Also speaks Spanish. So very helpful. Nice. Uh, and, and yeah, um, also, obviously, we're, we're keeping in touch with, with our team at home and just, you know, checking in every match and making sure we're all on the same page, that kind of thing. That's great. Um, just over the last week, we had news for Canada and Billie Jean King Cup um, that they'll be hosting a tie from the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver mid-April. I know that's a, a couple months away, but uh, do you imagine you'll have the opportunity to maybe uh, compete for Canada again? And um, I know you've been there in the past. What's your experience like uh, just playing tennis on the West coast of this country? I've always really loved Vancouver. It's honestly probably one of my favorite places to play in the world. Always had good memories, played um, great matches, had great wins there. So um, definitely look forward to going back if, if that is the case this year. Um, obviously, for Billie Jean King Cup, I'm, I'm always um, proud to say yes, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the cards unfold, I guess, as we get closer.
and of course Rebecca Marino being being from there and as I mentioned uh, you fell in the semifinals to her just past uh, the past week in Mexico did you guys have any uh, conversations about whether it was Billie Jean King Cup or, or tennis in general and is she one of the sort of friends on the tour that you keep in touch with regularly yeah, totally. I mean, we kind of stayed like three doors down from each other for like two weeks also. So we nice. had a lot of like talk. We also played in doubles the first week um, against each other and then singles the second week. So uh, definitely a lot of hanging out with Bex. Um, <laughs> so in just going through the process together, kind of um, being there, uh, being like at, at those kind of tournaments where the conditions might not be the best and having like similar goals and stuff definitely connects you with, with people. And so, uh, yeah, definitely had a few good conversations. That's, that's great. I mean, tennis is such an individual sport as, as we know, is it, uh, like how key is really that support system around you? And as, as you speak to me from a hotel room, it can obviously, uh, get lonely sometimes traveling uh, week to week, tournament to tournament. Totally. Um, I, I feel like generally, generally I'm pretty good at, um, being independent or being alone. Um, uh, mm. but because I mean, maybe out of habit, maybe, maybe I've been forced to, <laughs> to, to, to deal with it, but, uh, yeah, definitely support from family, from friends, people you can lean on, uh, people you can trust to be vulnerable with, um, cause it's not an easy process. Um, you go through, you know, losses, really tough ones, uh, almost every single week. So, um, to continually bounce back from those, um, and deal with all the travel and everything. Uh, you definitely need people outside of yourself to, uh, to, to lean on. So. No, no doubt. Uh, currently we have a lot of Canadian players who actually they're taking the college route, um, to seek a pro career. Uh, for example, Carson Brandstein, Ariana Arsenault, Jada Bui. Um, it's becoming, it seems quite commonplace. And I know for you, you did the same thing, um, going the college route and competing at Stanford, having a lot of success there. I wanted to ask you, I guess, how important was, uh, going to college just, uh, for your development in your tennis game and also getting that education? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely a life transforming experience for me. Um, I mean, I definitely not the same person I was at 18 and at 21 when I, when I left, uh, just so much you learn about yourself um, as a as a human being, as a student, as a tennis player. Uh, that is sort of like an irreplaceable experience uh, for me personally. It might not be for everybody, but mm-hmm. um, really benefited from that sort of dynamic, well-rounded lifestyle uh, where I was able to explore a lot of my interests and um, be still held to a very high standard in tennis uh, at the same time as you know um, school. So that's something that I really enjoyed and I thought pushed me. So, uh, it was good, but you know, to each their own. And I'm glad that people are, are choosing that route more often now. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely being viewed more commonly as an option and, and a good one. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about, I, I guess, certain tennis goals that, that you have, and you talked about sort of changing the mindset and certain game mm-hmm. styles right now, you're ranked around number 300. Do you have certain goals in mind that you're looking to achieve in, in 2022? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of the purely like ranking number goals are a little bit out of my control. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I want to keep doing well every week. And I feel like I've consistently put in good results while I've been healthy. So that's, the, that's, you know, the most I can ask for. And uh, for me, the immediate goal, like I said, is to focus on the mindset and really commit to that, and feeling that change within myself, because um, I really believe in the long term, it, it, it'll be for good. 
And just uh, last season, um, you know, you came the closest you've come to uh, qualifying for Grand Slam, reaching that final stage uh, of the French Open. I feel like uh, Canadians get pegged as hardcore players more often than not. Are, are you pretty comfortable on the clay surface? Definitely. Uh, a lot of people think that I, I, I prefer it, actually. I actually really? don't. Yeah. Um, I seem to, to do pretty well on clay, but. Um, I, I, I like to think that my game is, 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 um, easily adjustable to, to different services and conditions. Um, but I, I definitely enjoy playing on the clay for sure. Uh, that's great. Um, you're someone who's been around the, uh, the tour for, for some time. I feel like you have a, a good understanding of a lot of, a lot of the top players. And I wanted to change this up uh, to wrap because tennis Canada launched this cool, bracket challenge this week on their website and fans are signing up and they basically fill out their tournament brackets and pick players to win me and my host mike are are awful at this we get things wrong all the time but uh i wanted to run a few matches by you in qatar and get your thoughts maybe on who you think would maybe win certain players that you like um if you're up for it uh, sure. How many were you thinking of? <laughs> oh, just like three or four, three or four. Like, okay, yeah. good. We're not, yeah. we're not going to break down. We're not going to break down the whole draw. Don't worry. Okay. Um, but for example, I know, you know, a couple of the top players are missing. No Osaka, no Barty, but a lot of great players. And this is a great potential second round match. Actually, uh, Elise Mertens playing Petra Kvitova. Have you played either of those two before? And I guess who would you like in a matchup like that? Uh, at least, I mean, we're the same age, so we grew up playing all the same tournaments together, definitely play each other a lot growing up. Um, I mean, I, like, I, I, I don't actually follow tennis that much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Focus on my, I'm kind of like that Camila Georgie meme. What did she say? She was like, I don't watch tennis. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, um, but I, I heard Petra had a good win yesterday, today, so yep. uh, she's been in Doha, so, you know, maybe, maybe she'll take that one. I don't know. <laughs> she she's won a couple times in Doha so definitely definitely a good opportunity there um this is looking into the future a little bit but if it happens we could get um Paula Bedosa and Coco Goff of course Coco Goff a young phenom just rapidly mm-hmm. rising and Paula Bedosa broke the top top 10 last season um what do you make of those two um again well first of all I think WTA right now there's so much parity that like you know really like between any two matchups like anyone can win really um Mm -hmm. uh nothing is really an upset anymore i think like at that level uh but i don't know i i guess paula's playing well lately maybe i'll go with paula i don't know (laughs) fair (laughs) enough no that's the challenge i think bex might be more in tune with like what's going on Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you, I'll give you one, just one last one. Then um, Arena Sabalenka is the number one seed here and uh, likely to face uh, Jill Teichman, who's been playing really, really good tennis. I don't know if you've had a chance to play her or watch her, but um, what would you make of a matchup like that? Or what would you make of, I guess, Sabalenka and I guess her presence as a top player, such a powerful one on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jill's been doing pretty well the past couple of years, like pulling off upsets like that. So it's not, you know, wouldn't be a surprise if she did. And she has the game to like um, bother people being, being all lefty in that. So um, yeah, it should be an interesting one. Definitely. Um, I have to ask before we wrap up, uh, you're of course passionate about music. I, I imagine it's tough to keep up with when you're on the road. Um, 
traveling and being a pro tennis player. But uh, last year you did release a single, How to Forget You, which is a great song. Um, we'll have to put up put it up on our, our Twitter page if people haven't heard it. Do you have anything in the works as of now? Or are you still writing music? Uh, I do. I do have a song that I, I've written like a few years ago now called Concrete. Um, okay. I put it up in a few places and it got a little bit of attention, but like I never seriously like went and recorded it and I did that last year. Um, and it's finished. So uh, hopefully we'll be putting that out soon. Just have to get to the whole, you know, release process. <laughs> nice. I have to ask when you write a song, um, <laughs> are you writing melody first, say on the piano or guitar? Or are you writing lyrics first? Good question. It definitely depends. Uh, sometimes uh, like with concrete, I heard the melody in my head before. Okay. Um, and then I kind of, went and filled it up with words with what I was feeling in the moment, which just so happened to be a song about tennis, actually life on tour. Oh, nice. But I would say it's about 50, 50. Sometimes I, I sit at a piano and I'm inspired to, you know, rep, like play a melody. Uh, other times mm. I'm writing down thoughts um, or themes that I think could be cool. And then I write music around it. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Well, Carol, um, good luck throughout the season. I, I know you're set to compete again uh, at an ITF tournament, so we'll certainly be uh, tracking your results there and following. And uh, always a pleasure to have you on Matchpoint Canada. Well, thank you, Ben. There you have it. My interview with Carol Zhao, currently ranked 299 and obviously trying to get that to a higher place. And um, I like that we started, we started off and she kind of launched into uh, trying to change and alter her mindset on court and sort of rethinking the whole process of, of, of being a player and uh, getting herself lo loose and free. Uh, it's almost like she has this brand new perspective on her career. Yeah. And I feel she's at that stage of the game at the age of 26, where you're kind of in that mid range of your career. I mean, she's yep. been playing for a heck of a long time, kind of figuring it out. And, and, and as she sort of alluded to like reassessing, what do I want out of my career? What do mm -hmm. I feel I can still get out of myself? And I would imagine during the pandemic and after all the injury issues she had, there were probably moments where she wondered, is it, is it worth getting back out there and, and grinding it out to try and get back towards the top, you know, 100, 130, like she was a few years ago. Um, but I think having that mental sort of fortitude and, and experience to rely on um, to, uh, to help her out. So I think it's great that she's seemingly having like a renewed vigor for the sport and, uh, and great to have her back on the pod and uh, just a very sort of thoughtful uh, personality um, as well, you can tell. And, and I like when you put her on the spot there to start picking a little bit some of the matches. And uh, she wasn't expecting it. I'm like, oh, how's this going to go? But uh, that was kind of a, that was a new one for you to come up with there. Yeah, I recall uh, doing the rapid fire questions with her last year, I think. So we had to we had to change it up. And uh, she readily admitted she doesn't actually watch that much tennis. Maybe that's because of her schedule on court all the time. So uh, she was probably struggling a little bit under the gun coming up with uh, winners of these matches, though she's mentioned she's uh, she kind of grew up in juniors alongside Elise Mertens, who, of course, is a, a great, great player. So, um, yeah, all the best to, to Carol Zhao for this season. Certainly an opportunity, I imagine, when uh, Billie Jean King Cup is in Vancouver mid-April, uh, that she certainly could be there representing Canada as well. 
yeah, depending on you know the health of the team and whatnot, maybe she'd mm-hmm. be there in a supporting role, even a hitting partner. Who's who's to say? Um, uh, just make sure you never try that little segment if you get uh, Italy's Camila Giorgi on the uh, <laughs> podcast because yeah. she's readily admitted she doesn't watch any women's tennis or tennis at all. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Carol Shaw made a joke about that. Uh, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of tennis canada we're also members of the tennis channel podcast network uh just going to some wta news of this past week elena ostapenko with a big win uh in St. Petersburg, uh, she beat four Grand Slam champions en route to this title. Sorry, in Dubai. Uh, St. Petersburg was the week before, pardon me. A big title in Dubai. She beat Petra Kvitova, Simona Halep, Iga Spiontek. Opened with a victory over Sofia Kennan before rolling over uh, Veronica Kudermatova in the final. Um, Ostapenko, one of the most, I think one of the most unpredictable tennis players on the tour surely like when she is on she can be unstoppable it's just we don't see it that often yeah it's hard to believe it's uh, coming up on five years since her french open triumph uh later this year and uh and i kind of forgot too that she had a great run at wimbledon the year after that making the semis but since yep. then it's been very inconsistent for her and uh, i don't want to take away from what she's accomplished she's uh, doing real well getting the ranking back up there which is nice to see but to be honest, I thought like, you know, Sophia Kennan is struggling huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that one, not surprised at all. Kvitova also has been kind of up and down. Uh, Halep is not yet, you know, back into full form as we saw. She went out early in, in Qatar as well now. So, you know, those are matches that Ostapenko um, should be getting into. Uh, but to string them all together back to back to back and then win the title, that's uh, some pretty fantastic stuff from her for sure. Yeah, certainly a, a, a great stretch for her. And let's move over to Doha, where we have the Qatar Total Energies underway. It actually began on Sunday. And this is the site, the beginning of the Tennis Canada Bracket Challenge, where uh, we are really up against the competition. I don't have that that such high hopes for us. But um, I guess, firstly, what, what do you enjoy about this type of challenge? We have to fill out a bracket and uh, it's public too. So if people want to creep around, they might be able to find where what we picked. Yeah, I'm not hiding. I don't have some sort of alias on there. Although when I did <laughs> see some, some, some person had a, a nickname of uh, Maple Leaf Suck and I thought, oh, Ooh. people are going to think that might be me because I'm from Montreal. <laughs> but no, that is not me. Yeah, and, Or maybe it's my second entry, you know, maybe I'll get one of them right. But uh, no, I'm out there as McIntyre Tennis. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, I just want to say that being a tennis podcast host does not mean you are a great predictor of tennis matches, right? There's all sorts of other skills that that play into the roles that you and I fill here for Tennis Canada on Matchpoint Canada. And and picking matches right is not in our contract. That is not a, a requirement for this position, as you'll probably find out in a few weeks once we're somewhere down near the bottom of the, the leaderboard. But yeah. for right now, in the early goings, I mean, it's only been like one round, but I'm I'm 34th out of like 126 who seem to have their picks in on this one. And uh, I'm just going to say I'm in the top third and that's making me happy for the time being. Uh, I mean, I missed some, obviously. I'm I'm sure you did as well, like uh, Ribikina going out early, Svitolina, uh, Halep I didn't have going too far, but I thought she'd win her first one. Um, I'm not really sure why I picked Kennan, to be honest, but uh, just, you know, to put an excuse out there, I was very rushed while I was making these picks. I was preparing to pack my family for a, a long weekend trip that we just took. And so I was going through the draw and I'm like, wow, this draw is long. Like there's a lot of matches to pick here and I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's have, a big you know, field. So, 
so I didn't dive in deep on this one. Um, so there's my excuse for, for, uh, for this tournament, but uh, it's going to be super fun. Like the competitive side of me loves this kind of stuff. For sure. I wish there was more, like I'm in a hockey pool. I'm in several hockey pools actually, because those seem to be more readily available and out there certainly here in Canada. But if there were more tennis pools, I would probably do them because um, they, they are a lot of fun to test your knowledge in this sport as well. Yeah. Just another way I think to, have fan engagement in the sport like we talk about all those big four sports have huge kind of fantasy followings people are obsessed with fantasy sports for me this is kind of the ideal way to get into get involved in any given tournament you make your picks and you're going to be keen to to watch and follow along with the match and say okay Anja Burr is playing I have her going to the semis like I need her to come through with a win here so you're I think invested it, without actually investing any money in it which exactly is yeah. 100% 100% um, I will We'll just ask you, who are your semifinalists? Do you dare reveal your winner? Yeah, they're so boring. Like my semifinalist picks are so boring. I went with basically like pretty tried and true players here. It's it's early in the year, right? And so the funny thing is, I think to have success in these things, you got to be willing to go out of your comfort zone. And you got to be bold. You got to be bold, but realizing that for the most part, if you make a wild pick, it's probably not going to come true. But someone out there is going to do it and be rewarded for for going out there and yep. and being brave. And I was not brave. So uh, who do I have for my semi-finalists uh Sviantec versus Zachary and then Contivate versus Krejcikova so I thought I'd go safe for this first one I'll save some of my you know more out there picks for for later on maybe if I establish sort of a, a comfort level and I can stay in the top third we'll have to see how it goes that will and then if I'm out of it if I find I fall further down I might have to be even more kind of crazy with my picks yep. to try and get back up to the top so I don't know. We'll see. And I don't remember who I picked as my winner, to be honest. I'd have to go and check. How about you or your semifinal picks? Uh, I mean, we share two of four semifinal picks and that I do have Contivate and uh, Zachary there. Um, <laughs> one of my semifinalists is already out because I decided Uh-oh. to take Elena Rybakina all the way to the semis. And she actually had a draw open up for her um, because I think she was facing a lucky loser in the first round, but somehow lost that match. Uh, so that has already fallen. And I mean, we recall my bold prediction at the beginning of the year, Amanda Anisimova making the oh, top Anisimova. 20. Yeah. Yeah. So she's in my semifinals. I'll be honest, I picked her to win it all. So that's that's kind of a gutsy pick okay, for Anisimova cool. like to, to like win that. the tournament. <laughs> and and hey, we've gone out and we're going to be kind of paired up against uh, not each other so much as the uh, the, the French counterparts we have in Quebec, the Sur La yep. Ling podcast. Um, and so that'll be fun to see how we do against them. And uh, I should mention there are a couple of great grand prize uh, prizes for our grand prize winners, our Tennis Canada's grand prize winners for this bracket challenge, and that is. On the men's bracket side, uh, the winner gets a signed Stefano Sisi Pass racket. Um, and on the women's side, it's a signed Leila Annie Fernandez racket. So some pretty cool grand prizes for whoever does emerge victorious at the end of... Uh, this is going all year, is it not, I think? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, um, really wicked prizes. Uh, just shifting over to what's happening as well this week on the men's side. We'll just mention quickly Dubai. I said Felix pulled out. Denis Shapovalov is competing there. And we do have the return of world number one, Novak Djokovic, who has uh, already played and won his first match over Lorenzo Busetti uh, in straight sets. So he is back and competing where he can, when he can. And he says uh, he'll try and uh, you know play every tournament possible on his schedule. But 
will remain unvaccinated. Uh, we'll certainly talk about him more after that tournament is over. Danil Medvedev will have an opportunity to take over the world number one ranking if he can win Acapulco this week, or I believe uh, various other scenarios. Djokovic loses early if Medvedev makes it far, um, but he's in Acapulco with the top seed. Rafael Nadal back in competition. He's won this tournament three times. He has a tough draw. He could face actually Medvedev in the semifinals, which is a surprising, of course, because uh, Nadal's that that ranking is still only number five. So he's fourth here in seeding. Tsitsipas uh, and Sparov are on the bottom half of the draw. I guess quick question. I mean, Rafael Nadal, he's 10-0 this season. He won the Australian Open. But is Medvedev the favorite here or is it almost 50-50 split? It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to say I don't really understand for the life of me why Rafa is, is bothering to play this one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, he's had success there in the past, of course. He's won it right. three times before. Um, and it's funny, you look back to the first time he won in 2005. I'm pretty sure every other guy in that draw has retired from <laughs> professional and it was tennis. on it was on clay then, too. Right. And then yeah. even when you look at 2013, where he won, you know, he played Almagro and David, David Ferrer in the semis and finals. They both retired. Um, so maybe the nostalgic part of him, you know, just likes going back there for the good memories it brings him. I mean, Acapulco, look, I'd love to go to Acapulco right now, sure. too. Dubai is also pretty sweet. I've covered that one in person before. I highly recommend it. Um, and they're not doing virtual media this year, unfortunately, so we couldn't get that Djokovic press conference. But uh, to get back to your question, I'll go with Nadal because, uh, you know, recent recent events, and maybe that's still in Medvedev's mind. Uh, and, and Nadal seemingly has played well there before as well. But uh, yeah, again, I don't know why. Why put yourself out there? Why risk it with the foot or anything like that? Just, you know, protect yourself for slam number 22. Be as fit as you can be and ready for the clay court swing and, and Roland Garros would be my approach. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm a little surprised, but it also tells me surely he must be feeling pretty physically good if he's uh if he's there and playing so uh we'll we'll see what he's how he's doing um of course indian wells miami open around the corner uh a lot of tennis to come a lot of podcasts to come you've been listening to match point canada guys we will talk to you next time take a walk around the block find a street that wants to talk I drink the cabinet empty I lose you but you're still with me Pretend I'm fine, third glass of wine With you on my mind It's a crime, I don't have the answer I'll never find another